And we're looking forward to that at the Westgate. Just like my man, Scott Spritzer is. Because he has a little Parliament Funkadelic in that soul. I know he does. <laughs> What's going on, brother? Oh, man, I'm telling you, I just, you know, can't wait until the show. And, uh, boy, I just can't wait to hear some old classics from George Clinton. <laughs> and it's funny, last week when we did the show and you told me that he was going to be here in town. It's like half hour later, I was on YouTube watching old videos. So, Is that right? <laughs> uh, yeah, just going to be fun to see him, you know, back in town. And you know, I, it's it's supposed to be that, you know, that uh, retirement tour or whatever, but I still hope and uh, kind of hoping here that he's got, you know, another two or three to go. Mm-hmm. I can always handle, you know, two or three farewell tours. There you go, man. All right, uh, Scott, let's talk a little uh, NFL uh, Week 18 here. Kind of a tricky week. You know, when you get into the final week of the regular season, you've got some very low spreads, but then again, you got the other end of the extreme too, some very high ones as well, as we got some very meaningless games here. How do you approach you know, this week, because as you know, we get into this, we usually have some quality games and even if they're not quality games, you know, we figure, okay, Hey, we, we find something that really makes a lot of sense to us from a betting standpoint. And I don't know that number could be maybe three, four, five or six games, you know, depending on the week. But when you look at this week's schedule, what stands out to you? Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals where I, I try to just stick to, Games. I mean, there's always one game that I'll look at that doesn't have a, any bearing on the postseason. Maybe one or two bets that I'll make um, that might have an edge when it comes to certain players playing, certain other players not playing, things like that that I'll jump into. But for the most part, it's it's looking at you know teams that have something to play for, and also you know I kind of tend to look over the last 20 years at teams that have had bad seasons that are now getting a bunch of points from teams that have good seasons. And, and those bad teams, usually over the final couple of weeks of the regular season, uh, are worth taking because it's the end of the season. Everybody thinks, you know, the bad teams aren't going to show up basically other than to go through the motions. And so you end up getting a bit of a premium with that point spread. And we've seen them do well over the course of the years. Having said that, I, I really only have one, I guess, so-called bad season team that I'm playing this week. We get we can get to that in a little bit, but uh I just tell people be careful. I mean there's a couple of games out there that are gonna be like, you know, a week fourteen game that matters or, you know, teams playing to get in the postseason and and uh you gotta be careful sometimes with those teams too because must win doesn't always mean will win. And if you're in a must win spot in the final week of the regular season, it means that you didn't play good or well enough during the course of the season to wrap up a playoff spot. And so, you know, I always say that, you know, again, will win doesn't automatically mean, or must win doesn't automatically mean will win. And, and we're, you know, I've got three plays so far, TC, so I'm not going crazy yet. I might add a couple more between now and uh, Sunday morning. Let's talk about some of these games, Scott. And it's going to start off here with the first game, Saturday afternoon at Allegiant Stadium. And uh, the Raiders season, uh, I don't want to say mercifully comes to an end, but uh, they did play well last week and they got the cover. You know, getting 10 points against the Niners, uh, nine, nine and a half. And we're going to have that same type of number as the Chiefs roll into town. And the Chiefs have actually got something to play for as far as that number one overall seed here. Jared Stidham back at quarterback here. The Chiefs got, you know, when I look at this team, I mean, they haven't been great covering against the number. And of their 16 games, 10 of them have been one score games here. When you look at this line here, 
Uh, obviously, I think everyone feels the Chiefs are going to win the game. Maybe a great teaser situation there for the Chiefs, but how do you handicap this game knowing that this is it for the Raiders? They're still missing some people on both sides of the ball, and the Chiefs do have something to play for. Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs can obviously wrap up the uh, bye week in the AFC if they can get this win uh, on Sunday or on Saturday. And listen, I'm kind of, you know, same thoughts as far as the Chiefs are concerned that you were saying is that it's not a team that you can rely on to cover a lot of point spreads this season. Uh, the defense isn't great. In fact, as far as points allowed per game, they're basically bottom third in the NFL. Uh, but they do have the motivation because that Bills-Bengals game will not be completed, so they can wrap up the AFC bye with the win here. And you know, I'm just thinking, though, that there's been too much of an adjustment on this point spread as far as the worth of Jared Stidham compared to Derek Carr. Uh, Stidham played pretty well last weekend, and he's had a decent, long-standing relationship with Josh McDaniels from their days in New England. So he understood the offense and what this team was trying to do against a very good San Francisco defense. And now he and his offense face a softer defense this week, a much softer defense when Kansas City rolls into town. And also, uh, KC doesn't present the challenges when it comes to uh, getting after the quarterback that San Francisco did. And for the most part, the Raiders handled that well. So did Stidham. So I, I think nine and a half is a little bit too tall here. I, I think the difference between Carr and Stidham isn't as big or isn't as wide of a gap to make that kind of adjustment to the point spread as we're seeing. If you saw where the line was when the Raiders were at Arrowhead earlier this season, what's taken place since then, and then going into this game, I think that line's a couple of points too high. So uh, this is one of those teams that had a very disappointing season going up against a team that might be playing in the first weekend of February to win it all, where I think that that team that had a disappointing season has a solid chance to cover the point spread and keep this close. All right, uh, Tennessee and Jacksonville, they will play in the nightcap Saturday night, and this one... it didn't matter that what the the records were of this team. Last week's games for either team did not matter because they were going to be playing a winner take all uh, game coming up this week. And uh, we got Tennessee, Jacksonville. We see the number hovering around seven now because Tennessee is going to go with Joshua Dobbs, the guy who was on the practice squad of another team just a few weeks ago. No Ryan Tannehill, and uh, again third string quarterback situation. Malik Willis has not been good. So um, they opted to to go away from him and Jacksonville. Scott, say what you want, but you know this team has been playing some of the best football of anybody right now on a four game win streak, and their defense is pretty darn good as well. Uh, what do you think about the Jags? You know, laying it here. Yeah, I mean it's like Jacksonville or nothing, or maybe even tease Jacksonville down to pick or minus a half a point with another uh, team from Sunday's card. That's the way I would look to go. I mean, Tennessee's had a couple of pushes, depending on when you got the point spread over the last month plus, but they haven't covered a spread, not just haven't won games, but they haven't covered a spread since mid-November, a 27-17 minor upset went over Green Bay, and they're not playing anywhere close to that now. And you look at their numbers, I mean, you know, they're 30th in the league in passing yards per game, 30th in total yards per game. They average under 18 points per game, almost dead last. Passing defense, dead last. 10 yards allowed per game, 25th in total yards allowed per game, and on and on and on. And as you mentioned, Malik Willis was terrible. He was certainly not ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. So you go to Josh Dobbs, which I don't think is going to be that big of an improvement. Love the way Trevor Lawrence has been playing. I know he's been a little banged up too. But, you know, when we think about Trevor Lawrence, I was asked about this on another show 
probably four or five weeks ago, my thoughts on Trevor Lawrence. And I said, man, I go, he's, he's an A-plus this season because last year with all the Urban Meyer you know, situation, the fiasco in Jacksonville, he basically had a lost year as far as learning in the NFL. And I think he's made huge strides this year. They've covered four in a row, this team. They've covered, what, 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight games overall. And so for me, I'm, I'm a little nervous about the full six, but I think Jacksonville is a solid teaser play. Tease that down to minus a half. I know there's a couple of joints in town where you can tease it all the way down to pick them. Mm-hmm. I think a Westgate would have to be teased down to a half if you like six-point teasers, which is what I do. Yeah. And then uh, maybe throw them in a teaser you know, with one of the games on Sunday. I, I think there's a couple of great opportunities to tease. The Dallas Cowboys tease them down to one with Jacksonville. Might be a great way to go. Mm-hmm. Scott Spreitzer joins us, Doc Sports. You can subscribe to Scott's Picks at Doc Sports. Dot com. All right. We look at the Sunday night game, uh, Detroit and Green Bay. That's another thing that has a, a game that has all kinds of meaning on it. It'll be the standalone game. Packers a four and a half point choice here. We know the Lions uh, gave the Packers all they could handle when they met early on in Detroit, but it was a turnover fest. If we remember that game, Aaron Rodgers threw three picks, especially deep into uh, Detroit territory. Very low scoring game, like 16 to nine. Uh, in Detroit, we've seen them struggle a little bit on the road, but you know they're going to be up for this game with a chance to go to the playoffs with Dan Campbell uh, at the helm there. And then the Packers have been playing better football as of late. Uh, the last week, Scott, they uh, got a punt blocked on what their second possession. Minnesota recovered at the one-yard line, could not get it in, settled for a field goal. What Green Bay do? They scored the next 41 unanswered points. Yeah. It was crazy. How do you view this game and do you think Detroit has a shot not only at the cover here, but maybe a potential outright win? Or is it, hey, same old thing, Detroit going to Lambeau? Yeah, it's tough to call right now. because and I almost played this game, and then I thought, you know, I'm going to hold off a little bit. Green Bay is obviously, with Aaron Rodgers, accustomed to having to play, even though you usually get there earlier in the season, but having to play for the postseason. And Detroit's not this group, and neither is Dan Campbell. And also, you got to wait and see what Seattle does. You know, it's it's kind of like Seattle wins earlier in the day, and then Detroit really has nothing to play for other than pride and the rivalry of going up against Green Bay and hoping to hang a loss on the Packers. Uh, they have been a covering machine. They've got a chance to finish above 500 at 9-8 and eight if they can win this game. My, my thoughts are, TC, is that Detroit is going to play well and hard whether they have anything to play for by the time this game kicks off or not. Uh, if the Seahawks win... You know, you, you might be able to get even a better price on Detroit. So my suggestion is this, a recommendation. If you like Green Bay, I would play it now. If you like Detroit, you take your chance and see what happens if Seattle wins that game earlier in the day. Because if that's the case, you might see this number jump a little bit more higher as far as, uh, as, far as that's concerned. And I like Detroit in this spot. So my thought is I'm going to wait around. I'm going to see if Seattle wins early if they do. I'm going to check and see if I can get a little bit bigger point spread with Detroit with people assuming that they're not going to show up and then public money coming in crazy for this Sunday night game on Green Bay with that thought in the back of their heads. I think Detroit's the play here. I really do, whether they have something to play for by kickoff or not. And I played Green Bay last week. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's having no more problems with his hand or his thumb and gripping the football. Uh, but I just I like the moxie of this Lions team and how they played down the stretch. So that's what I would do, kind of wait around, take your chance that Seattle's going to win, and you might get a little bit extra with that point spread on Detroit. 
Huge number on the board with Philadelphia and the Giants. The Giants don't have anything to play for, but they're already they're in the playoffs, so they're very excited about that. And then Philadelphia, Scott, as we've seen, actually does have something to play for because they've dropped their last two games in a row. They have not looked good. As a matter of fact, they really haven't looked that good in the last five or six weeks outside of the injury from Jalen Hurts. This team has been turning the football over. They're not as electric as they were earlier on in the season here. And if you're a Philadelphia Eagle fan... You may have some concerns here, and this is a pretty big number to lay. And I think just, you know, from people on the outside looking in, thinking like, okay, you know, Philly's still trying to hold on. They got something to play for that number one seed. So it's like, oh, yeah, big spread. But the Eagles haven't, you know, covered marginal spreads here, let alone a 13 and a half. Well, if if Hurts is healthy, they win the game. I don't know about covering a 14-point spread. But if there's any question out there for anybody who thinks he should not be first or second in the MVP voting this year, just look at what they've done when he's been out. You know, it's as simple as that. Number one, um, man. They, he's, he's the guy, right? There's absolutely. No question. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's funny. I, I do that Saturday night show, and we, the week before the season began, when we were previewing uh, the NFL's upcoming season, I think we spent probably two hours and 45 minutes out of three hours talking up Philly, and they ended up being my top over under wins play had them over nine and a half wins and that was settled rather early uh listen they won 25 20 at chicago a few weeks ago on december 18th that's the last win and then of course the last two games as you mentioned with hurt sideline you know they weren't able to win those games however they did give dallas all they could handle in dallas before losing 40 to 34 i look at this team as if hurts is out there i'm not playing the giants plus the 14 and that's another game you got to kind of wait on as far as his health is concerned because before he got hurt, they had won, what, five or six in a row. They had one loss uh, since the start of the season before he got hurt. And they had covered three in a row before he got banged up against Chicago on December 18th. So to me, they're perfectly fine. That offense is outstanding when they've got their star quarterback at the helm. As far as the Giants, man, I hate laying a bunch of points just because a team has nothing to play for. Uh, but that kind of is the case here. What worries me about backing the Giants in this one they're so bad against the run. And so even if Hertz was not going to play in this game, you've got a situation where you've got the fifth best rushing offense in the NFL, which is Philly. You know, you average about 148, 149 yards on the ground per game. Again, top five in the league going up against a team that can't stop the run. That also, after maybe a few plays or a couple of series, may not have any other defensive starters on the field. So it, it's a lean towards Philly. Uh, I probably won't get involved in the game, but if you made me, I'd end up probably back in the Eagles after I saw warm-ups on Sunday morning and seeing how the things look as far as Hurts is concerned. Listed as probable right now, so I guess uh, he's probably going to play in this game. Scott, quick thoughts on the two teams that were involved in the Monday night game. Uh, the Bills playing the Patriots. The number there now is seven. Same thing with the Bengals over the Ravens. Uh, it's hard to gauge, you know, where these guys are going to be. And then obviously with the news today that DeMar Hamlin is, is starting to improve remarkable signs. And we talked about that in hour number one. Uh, that's great. But, you know, still, where's the mindset here? But these are meaningful games for, for, you know, all four of these teams that are involved. Yeah, I think the quote was all cylinders are firing right now in his brain, according yeah. to his doctor. They had talked about how, uh, DeMar Hamlin was asking who won the game, yes. you know, and so that's all great news. And I think if he continues to improve and, you know, it's one of those situations where it looks like, okay, great. He's got all his faculties. 
his, his cognitive skills are still there, and he's really improving well, then I think as far as Buffalo is concerned, it almost is like a let's go out there and win one for DeMar, for our teammate. And, and I think that's the kind of way you approach this if you're looking to bet on that game with the Bills. As far as the Bengals, I mean, I know there's that traumatic situation of what happened there right there on the field to see it taking place. You know, we were all kind of blocked until finally either Aikman or Joe Buck said they've been performing CPR on them for seven or eight minutes. Now the Bengals had to sit there and watch that also, so there is that traumatic issue. But I think as far as the Bengals are concerned, once they step across uh, the out-of-bounds line, the sideline, and they get busy, I think they'll be able to just move on from that and play well. I'm not talking about move on when the game is over, but I'm talking about move on from that particular feeling and emotion and be able to play football as they normally do against Baltimore. So, um, yeah, I mean, from Buffalo, I, I, you know, obviously we all hope and pray that Hamlin is going to continue to improve and it's just a matter of healing over time. Uh, and, and if that's the case, I think Buffalo comes out with that, you know, let's go out and win one for our teammate type of attitude. Um, it's tough, man. That seven-point spread without knowing exactly how they're going to come out against a team that's coached by a head coach who knows how to defend the Buffalo Bills, it makes it tough to lay that full seven, though. But I could see that being the Buffalo Bills being teased down to you know minus one, maybe tying them with Jacksonville or with Dallas. All right, could be a good teaser weekend. All right, Scott, Monday night, we've got TCU in Georgia. Big number here with Georgia Bulldogs, uh, despite, you know, Georgia in its last two games, uh, giving up, uh, you know, 500 yards passing to LSU in their, in the SCC championship game. And we saw what Ohio State did to them last week. And TCU, uh, they've been firing on all cylinders. They've been a, a great story. I don't view TCU as a fluke at all. I mean, this team obviously can play and they've got guys that are, are going to be playing on Sunday afternoons on both sides of the ball themselves. How do you see this game Monday night? Is the number well, two Obviously, big. they really, they really miss Gary Patterson. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, right, but, right, right. You know, I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm, you know, again, I agree. TCU is not a fluke. At the same time, and this is going to sound crazy because they're playing in the championship game and they beat Michigan. I'm still not sure they belong here, and I don't mean that from a, a skilled tan- standpoint or that they don't have a chance. Right. On Monday night, it's just if you look at what they were power rated, they probably should not be here as opposed to Alabama who just beat the crap out of a team that not only beat TCU in the conference championship, Kansas State, but probably would have beat TCU earlier in the season when they were up 28-10 to 10 and their top two quarterbacks and got Scott, knocked out. And Scott, not to interrupt you, but and I mentioned this yesterday, but I wanted to say it with you. Uh, let's be honest. The best team that played last Saturday was Alabama. They looked the best last Saturday. Absolutely. Start right. to finish. Right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't Georgia. They almost got beat by Ohio State. It wasn't Ohio State. They got beat. Michigan was horrible at times. So anyway, as far as this game is concerned, I've been trusting my power ratings as I do every bowl season. We're on a 21-6 and bowl run. And so I'm setting this up to say I rated Georgia 15.5 points better than TCU on a neutral field before last week's games were played. I don't know that I could adjust three or four points because of one game. I had Ohio State. It was my top play the entire bowl season. Because before the Michigan game, I had Ohio State and Georgia power rated even, as we talked about on your show last week, on a neutral field. And it turned out to be a pretty even football game. I think one thing that happened to Kirby Smart in that game, one of the positives other than finding a way to win, is that he gets to refocus his secondary uh, after they gave up a ton of yardage to Ohio State through the, year, uh, through the air. And I'm giving the Horned Frogs their just due. But let's not forget Michigan had two turnovers inside the five-yard line and through a pair of pick sixes from a guy 
that doesn't normally make bad passes. That's 28 points. You know, so it's a situation, and they still almost got beat towards the end. So again, I don't want to take away too much from TCU. It's not a big play. It's nowhere close to the size of play I had on the Buckeyes last week. But I think Georgia gets the win and the cover. I'm going to stick to the, the power ratings that have been working for me. And remember, TCU beat Kansas by seven. Oklahoma State in double overtime. Escaped Baylor with a one-point win. Lost to Kansas State. Almost lost to Kansas State twice. I got to go with Georgia minus the points. All right. And uh, real quick, Scott, we just talked to the big seven-footer War Memorial Gym tonight. Gonzaga Bulldogs facing USF, the number's nine and a half. Which way are you going tonight? I'm going to lean to San Francisco, but I didn't play the game. Right. Uh, right. I'll lean to San Francisco. I mean, Gonzaga's being a bully again where they're beating up on bad teams and kind of sluggish against good teams. And San Francisco's not a bad team at 11-6. and six. I think the spread's probably about a point too high. Didn't play it. Probably won't play it before tip-off. Right. Uh, but I will lean towards the San Francisco Dons. And I'm sure the big seven-footer <laughs> is going to be cheering for the team in green and gold, right? No doubt. <laughs> you can see him sitting underneath uh, the basket right there on the baseline uh, tonight, awesome. ESPN 2 at 8 o'clock. So there you go, my I'm friend. I'm so glad. Every time a game from San Francisco is on TV, which isn't often, I have to watch it. So I'll be watching the game tonight. There you go, man. A lot of history in that old War Memorial gym, as we right. all know. You got it. All right, he is Scott Spritzer, DocSports.com. Go check it out. And of course, Scott uh, has his best bets with us, too, each and every Friday. Friday as well. Okay, my man, I appreciate it uh, as always, and uh, we look forward to talking with you next week. Take care, man. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. There he is. Scott's going to be on his way to Freddy's. That's where he's going right now. The Jalapeno Pepper Jack Burger. Oh, and the dog for Scott Spritzer. You got to love it.